Hi, this is Kev Lakes Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now having a bit of a catch-up with Selwyn Birchwood. Uh, Selwyn, are you well? I'm doing great, man. Excited to have this new record out, finally. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we'll come on to that very shortly, but... Uh, it, it is fair to say I could describe you as a man who stands head and shoulders above his peers because you're six foot three, aren't you? Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm about six eleven with the afro. <laughs> well, I know this for a fact because the year before last, I was at the the BMAs in Memphis, and I walked into the foyer, and there's loads of people around, and off in the distance, I could see this person head and shoulders above everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But like I say, we, we spoke some time ago uh, when you released the album Call No Ambulance. It's, it's been a busy time since then, hasn't it? Yeah, man. We've uh, been busy touring, recording. Uh, since then, we've actually done two albums. Uh, we did Pick Your Poison in 2017, and then now in uh, 2021, we've got Living in a Burning House and uh just been trying to make the use of the time it actually got put on hold and it was supposed to be out in may of 2020 but as we all learned uh 2020 had different plans for all of us so uh we've had to uh wait a year since we recorded it to actually release it and uh it's just created a lot of anxiety and anxiousness and uh just excited to finally have it here man it's like having to wait an extra year for christmas you know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, just prior to the interview, I was watching the the video on YouTube of Freaks Come Out at Night. Obviously, that, yeah. that must have been filmed before lockdown came in. Yeah, that was uh, not too far before. We did that in December 2019 um, at a, a blues club they have here, which is a, an original kind of juke joint that was on the Chitlin circuit uh, a long ways back. And... Uh, uh, just a really special place, and, and uh, there's no other place like it that I know of in Florida, and uh, I wanted to uh, kind of show people what it was like and, and uh, the magic that kind of happens every show we have there. And it's uh, You know, you have to go out down these dirt roads and follow the tiki torches because there's no lights out there. And, uh, you eventually see the bonfire and, and uh, the, the house where they have the, the stage and stuff inside, and it's a really cool thing. You go out there, hang out by the bonfire, listen to some blues music. It's you. They still have the same old fried uh, fish stand, and, and uh, man, it's a good time. <laughs> it, it does look so. a very enjoyable night. And there's even a portrait of you on the wall, isn't there? Yeah, man. So uh, that place has been around for a long time. The land itself has been been uh, black owned for you know a long time before it was normal for black people to be owning land i think it's far back if i remember correctly it was actually uh they had a baseball field for negro league games there and eventually the, they put the joint stage on there and uh yeah but they, they take the the tradition is that the club favorites they would make a tabletop and uh, the local artist would do a painting of the musician, and then that's what they would use as the tables uh, inside the club. But they ran out of space for more tables, so now they uh, they just make the tabletops and hang them on the walls. Right. So uh, I was 
honored to have my uh, my portrait <laughs> painted <laughs> on there, and it hangs in the uh, Duke George there. So was it performing at a club like that that inspired that song? Yeah, that's uh, uh, just a really special place to be. I started playing there 15 years ago now, and uh, <laughs> I just wanted to write uh, a song about it, and then... Uh, you know, it, it came up with the idea. I said, Raymond, what if, what if we did a music video on location out there? So that video that you see is the song that was inspired and written for that club and recorded on site, on, you know, on location at that uh, Bradfordville Blues Club there. So you get the whole experience. And they were ecstatic with it. Man. They yeah. weren't expecting me to, to do all that, but uh, I wanted to show a little bit of appreciation back to, to a club that's been supporting this music and keeping it going for so many years, you know. I've said on numerous occasions, when things get back to a semblance of normality, I do intend to come over to America again sometime, and now I want to go to that club. That's the spot, man. <laughs> for people who are unfamiliar with you, let's go back in the mists of time. Uh, you were the winner of the Blues Foundation's 2013 International Blues Challenge, as well as winning the Albert King Guitarist of the Year Award. That must have been, at that time, that was, must have been the pinnacle of your career. That was so surreal when that went on, and I, I still uh, am not sure it registers with me, because that, that event, they, they have hundreds of bands go there each year to compete in that competition, and... Uh, you kind of everybody nobody goes there to to want to lose but you have to know that it's like you know there's a, a couple hundred bands and there's only one person that's gonna win mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, man i uh didn't expect you know you could hope but i i didn't expect uh to be leaving there with with the the first place prize and that let alone uh the albert king guitarist uh best guitarist award which was a Gibson 335, which is my absolute dream guitar. And I actually sold two guitars just to be able to have enough money to get up there to compete. So to be able to win that guitar when I got there made it extra special, man. <laughs> yeah. I take it you must have done the tour of the Gibson factory while you were there. Uh, not on that trip. I was actually able to... Uh, I, I've been endorsed by Gibson uh, last year and uh, they had me come up to Nashville and do a tour of the Nashville factory. Also, we can claim a small part of you, can't we? Because your mother was from the United Kingdom. That's right, man. So my my mum was from there, and uh, my sister was actually born in England. And uh, I'm told that when she was young, she had a, a British accent when she was a, a kid which is later lost, but I didn't in inherit the, the fancy accent. Uh, I was born in Florida. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say we're fancy. Uh, certainly not where we are, anyway. Um, well, then, yeah. once you did start playing, you hooked up with Sonny Rhodes, and he gave you great inspiration and tuition as well, didn't he? Yeah, man. So I first met Sonny when I was... Uh, about 18 or 19, I was just finishing up high school, and he was a neighbor of a friend of mine in high school. And uh, my friend was, you know, knew I played guitar and liked blues music, and he'd always say, oh, oh yeah, my neighbor has a blues band. And I'd, oh, my neighbor has it. And I'm thinking it's a bunch of drunk guys and they go out on weekends or something and come to find out it's an internationally touring Texas blues man that just happened to live there at that time. 
And uh, I told him, you have to introduce me to whoever this person is when he brought me one of his CDs. And uh, I took my guitar over there, played about half a song. And he turned and just said, you know, son, do you have a passport? <laughs> and yeah. I said, yeah. He says, I'm, I'm going to take you on the road with me. And, and within a month, I was on the road traveling all through the U.S. and Canada with him and uh, really uh, spent the next about four or five years off and on to to tour with his band and I'm grateful that at such a young age because I started with him when I was 19 you know I, I really learned what it was to be a touring blues musician and uh, to be a band leader so by the time I came around where where I was having my band on the road I was you know a lot more seasoned than people were expecting. <laughs> Prior to your release uh, Don't Call No Ambulance you'd released a couple of albums before these were self-released weren't they so that must have been a, a bit of a, a brave step to think, right, I'm going to put this out. Yeah, I, I pinched everything I could and put a, every dollar that I had to try to get in to get a recording done. And, uh, you know, I knew that this is what I wanted to do and uh, trying to do everything I could to try to make something happen. And uh, that was part of it. There were two self-released records that I did before uh, I was signed to Alligator. Uh, which are out of print now. I don't. I don't even think I have a copy anymore. I think maybe my dad has one somewhere. <laughs> but, right. Uh, you, you'd have to hunt someone down in Florida to to find a copy. But you've also been fated in some respects because at that international blues challenge, one of the judges was uh, Bruce Iglauer from Alligator Records. Yeah, Bruce was actually the judge at the International Blues Challenge when uh, we made the finals in 2012. And then uh, we ended up not winning it that year and went, decided to give it one more shot. And then in 2019 uh, is when we got first place. But Bruce was uh, really impressed with the band in 2012. And I had been talking to him uh, prior to going back to the, the Blues Challenge. And... Uh, you know, he was kind of flirting with the idea of signing us, but I think after we won the competition, that really helped to solidify it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've spoken to Bruce myself, and he's a person who's genuinely passionate about the music as well. So is is that one thing that made you sign to Alligator? Yeah, well, I, when I got into blues music, I didn't realize that uh, a lot of the people that I was listening to were alligator artists at that time. And, I, you know, I was listening to Albert Collins and Sun Seals and Hound Dog Taylor and Coco Taylor and, uh, you know, just a lot of these artists that uh, were on alligator. So uh, when I come to realize that, I kind of started following that trail the bread crumbs and uh tried to get on with a bunch of other artists so when i started talking with bruce it was kind of a surreal thing to you know be talking with alligator records and still a surreal sort of a feeling to uh see that logo on the bottom of my records but uh really humbling uh thing and i'm just super uh excited and, and proud to be working with an organization of people that that are just as passionate about putting the music out as I am about making it. So, uh, you know, everybody over there is a workaholic. And, you know, those 16 people do the job of what should be about 60 people. And uh, it's just an awesome thing to be joining up in the hustle with everybody and, uh, you know, getting this music going, man. Your 2014 release, Don't Call No Ambulance, that featured another alligator artist, Joe Lewis Walker. 
were you, yeah. were you put together by the record company or did you ask for Joe Lewis to appear? No, actually, before uh, before I got signed and, and everything, I uh, had done a couple shows opening for Joe Lewis Walker when he came down to Florida. And, uh, you know, we were kind of fast friends. And, uh, you know, I was a Joe Lewis Walker fan for years before that so it was just cool to be able to open for him but uh you know we were chatting and kept in touch and uh he he came out to actually listen to our set which is uh normally when you have a headlining touring act they don't show up to see the opening act <laughs> so it was it was cool that he came to check out the show and uh after after that that show you know he was kind of whispering in bruce's ears like you know had this this dude down in florida opened for me and and uh you know i think you'd be interested in him and uh you know i think that really helped to get my name on bruce's radar as well and uh you know it's it all seemed to fall in place and uh you know i'm glad that it did well coming up to date then with the the new release living in the burning house you're saying that uh this was pretty much in the can before the pandemic hit yeah there's no songs on there inspired by the present circumstance then no i'm sure there's going to be a whole slew of stuff that's uh inspired by uh in the next year or so but uh i'd rather just write about something positive and try to to keep our head up at this at this point everyone knows where we're at and uh you know i want to focus on where we're going you know yeah it must be really frustrating at the moment because you've got this album, like I say, it's been sat there for a year waiting to come out and you want to go out there and tour and perform. Because I don't know what it's like over in America. I know here in the UK it's pretty much locked down. Is it a bit freer over there? Can you get out and about? You can. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I haven't really experienced us being locked down yet i don't think it is it's kind of taken into account and hoping that people have common sense to take precautions and seems like about half the the country is but uh yeah we we are able to do shows and stuff i'm electing not to um i've got asthma and uh the thought of having a a respiratory disease uh is a pretty scary thing for Mm. me so as much as I want to be out and be touring and, and performing, we wouldn't be able to, you know, assemble the crowds that we normally do because, you know, we're we're used to being able to draw together, you know, some really big crowds and everybody get together and experience the music and uh, it's just not feasible at the moment, you know. Yeah. So have you been doing stuff online on Facebook or that kind of thing? Yeah, I had been live streaming uh, up until about Christmas time. Uh, so I've been live streaming about seven months, which was a new thing. I always swore that I would never do any of that stuff because I, I dig the entire experience of live music of, of sharing each other's energies and, and, you know, everyone just coming together and having an experience with the music. And, and you don't get any of that with the live streaming. And mm. it, it's I never did get used to it. It, it. It's such a weird feeling to be sitting in a room and, talking to a you know an inanimate object yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to read what it's saying back it, it's just it's not the same I, yeah this is a, the the first time that i had been having so many consecutive nights in my own bed like i, I, <laughs> I remember looking at and thinking about that before i was like wow you know 
those people they they sleep in their own bed every night that's weird you know <laughs> uh you know it's definitely been an adjustment and uh some for the good some for the bad but uh i'd rather be out there playing music and, and traveling and uh taking the, the new music especially this new record out to everybody so that, that we can get it out there you know yeah and it is a darn fine album as well uh you must be really proud of it <laughs> yeah man I'm, I'm really excited with what we did with it it was my first time working with a producer and uh we we had a buddy guys producer actually on this record uh tom hambridge uh, came in and, and really brought his expertise and magic into the studio and I'm really you know excited with the way that the songs came out and uh, uh, since we can't tour we're having to do everything electronically but uh, I'm hoping that we can still get some ears on it because it's it's a uh, the best one that I've done so far, and I know it's early in the year, but I'll I'll say that this is the album of the year right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that at all. Um, <laughs> obviously, you can't make plans at the moment because who knows what's around the corner. But do you have things penciled in for later in the year? Yeah, well, we we still got a few things. What they did last year with the the majority of the festivals and and everything is that they just tentatively scheduled everything for the next year and kept the lineups. Um, so we're hoping that stuff you know opens up enough to be able to go do some of that stuff because last year we we had I mean just an extensive extensive amount of touring ready to go. We had three trips over there to Europe. Um, along with a, the Mediterranean blues cruise with Joe Bonamassa that we were supposed to do last year. Uh, we had uh, tours all over the U.S., the West Coast through Ca California and Washington State, through the Midwest, through the Northeast and Canada. And, uh, you know, it's all just had to be put on hold. But uh, I'm hoping that some of it uh, will be able to, to get going somewhere towards the end of this year. Yeah. Just going off a slight aside. I've never been on one of those blues cruises, but I really, really want to one day. Have you been on them before? Yeah, man. I, I, I can't even remember. I think I've been on five of them. Right. And, so, uh, what? man, it is just such a good time. It's a party, man. I was going to say, what's it like for the performer? Because for the passenger, they're seeing these wonderful artists all the time. But what about the actual performer? Well, that's what's so cool about it. The, the audience... You know, because you're all on in the same place, so the, the audience is eating and, and sleeping and, and hanging out at all the same places as the artists that they come to see, and then the artists themselves get to spend a week, you know, hanging out with our, our other friends and other artists and stuff that we normally don't get to, because normally you're, you're touring, you have to show up and do your show, and then everyone's splitting to go separate ways and, and busy. And uh, you're in a confined space, uh, all those things. So you actually get to interact and uh, perform with other artists and hang out and catch up, with, you know, with friends that you don't get to see frequently like that. So it's a cool thing for everyone to be in one space and uh, be able to actually, you know, share the week. And, and then on top of that, you're on a cruise in the Caribbean or somewhere. So it's just a really cool synergy there. You get to go to a, a floating blues festival for a week <laughs> in the caribbean and it's awesome man. <laughs> you, you have sold it to me that is now added to my bucket list oh it should be <laughs> <laughs>
Right, well, I'm going to let you go because I know you are a busy chap. But uh, like I said, the new album, absolutely superb. I wish you all the best with the promotion of that and hopefully we will get to see you performing over here in the not-too-distant future. I hope so too, man. Tell them tell to have me over. I need to practice my English, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come back to your roots. Uh, <laughs> that'd be brilliant. Okay, you take care, my friend, and we'll speak soon. All right, thanks a lot. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.